0: about the Spirit being the, the means, the method or the vehicle whereby God will lead us. Now in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's telling us that every child of God has a right to be led by the Holy Ghost. It tells us that God expects us to be led by the Holy Ghost as part of his family. And then the question becomes, how is he going to do it? Verse 16 of Romans chapter 8 says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God or the children of God. The number one way that the Holy Ghost is going to lead us is by the inward witness now there's uh turn with me over to John chapter ten i 've got some things rolling around in my heart tonight, and I really don 't have any notes uh, on um, or, or planned out what i 'm going to say, so if you want tonight to be good, believe God with me. Jesus said, beginning in John chapter 10, verse 1 <clears throat> Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, the door he's talking about is the entry into the world. In other words, he's saying the only one that uh, God has sent to the earth is, has, is one that is born of a woman unlike the devil who's an alien invader. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, talking about himself. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now we're the sheep. The Bible says we're the sheep of his pasture. So he's talking about the people of God, the children of God, the family of God being the ones that know his voice. Now, I think a lot of times people read these verses of Scripture or hear them referred to, and they think that it says they hear his voice in the sense of listening to sounds. And that's not what it means. Let's read this again. Uh, Verse 3, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, meaning he is the one that leads us, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. Now Jesus is telling us that his sheep, the people of God, the family of God, those of us that make Jesus, the Lord of our lives, can be distinguished, or let me say it in a better way, we can distinguish his voice from the voice of the stranger, the voice of the devil who uses our feelings and our thinking, our reasonings to try to lead us astray by one simple rule. The voice of God is what you know on the inside. That's a reference to the inward witness. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits. He's saying the things that you know on the inside is the leading of God, is the voice of God. John said it this way, writing in the uh, First John. He said, "You have an anointing or an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, and you need not for any man to teach you, because that anointing abides within you." Now clearly he can't be saying that we don't need teachers in the body of Christ. That's not the teaching he's talking about. The Bible says God set the ministry gifts in the church for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints. So the ministry gifts are important for all of us to mature and grow up in God. That can't be what John's saying. He can't be contradicting what Paul said by the Holy Ghost. Well then what is he saying? He's saying that the people of God know the voice of God on the inside of them. You don't need somebody to teach you what God is trying to tell you on the inside. You've got the same anointing that Jesus had. You've got the same unction by the Spirit of God that he had. It's that inward knowing. It's that inward witness. That which you know on the inside. So many times we get led astray by the things that we wonder about. God doesn't lead you by wondering. If you're wondering about something, you don't have knowledge from God. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, so often we wonder, should we do this or should we do that? Well, the answer is you should do what you know. Well, I don't know anything about this decision. There's not time to make it yet. It's the inward witness. It's the inward knowing that makes the difference. Now, Jesus said when he was tempted of the devil in Matthew 4, 4, you remember the devil said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, he's talking about the word of God being the same thing to our spirits, that which feeds and fits and develops our spirits, just like food is necessary for the physical body. Now, turn with me over to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter talks by the Holy Ghost, tells us by the Holy Ghost some things relative to this life that Jesus is speaking of. Now, we know that Jesus put spiritual things first in everything that he did, don't we? Jesus made some outstanding statements. He said, as the Father has life in himself, so has he given the Son to have life in himself. In other words, Jesus said that he has the same quality of life here on the earth that God the Father had in heaven. Then he told us that he came to bring us that life. He said in John 10.10, the thief comes not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This thing that Jesus talked about life, this life that he talked about, this Greek word zoe that's always used in reference to the life of God, this life is is the, the key element, the critical element that Jesus came to provide. It's a life that goes beyond just the flesh. Now, notice what Peter said about this life. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's got to be talking to Christians then. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us, past tense, all things that pertain unto life. Here's that word zoe. He's given us all things that pertain to the life of God and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Talking about the word. That by these promises, by the word of God, you might be partakers... Of the divine nature. They can't be talking about salvation. Because these people he's writing to. Are already saved. So when he's talking about. Protectors of the divine nature. He's got to be talking about. Living up to. And experiencing. Everything that Jesus purchased for us. On the cross. They're already saved. He writes that in verse 1. He talks about those. That have been made righteous. In God. In Christ Jesus. So he can't be talking about salvation in verse 3 and 4. He's talking about the key ingredient or the necessary element to be a partaker of the divine nature. I wonder if that's what Jesus meant in John in Matthew 4 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You remember in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and he said, Master, we know that you've come from God, for no man can do these things these signs and wonders that you do except God be with him. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, unless Jesus has gone stupid and changed the subject and talking to him about something that he didn't reference to begin with, Jesus is connecting the new birth with the supernatural and spectacular results that Nicodemus calls into remembrance when he approaches him. Nicodemus doesn't understand. Jesus talks about being born again in spirit. And he says, can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. One translation says a new species of being, a God-man. Born of woman, but now with the life of God on the inside. Old things are passed away and all things become new. Now, forgive me, I'm I'm kind of beating around the bush to, to get where I want to get to. What got me started on this is I was um, reminded of a, a testimony that I heard by a man named Bob DeWeese. He came to Ramah. and uh, and gave his testimony and apparently he was undergoing some kind of surgery and he died on the operating table. And the the doctors were right there, of course. They had him cut open doing some other things. I don't know what the surgery was for. But anyway, his heart stopped and uh, they began working frantically to try to get his heart started again. They massaged his heart and did whatever doctors do. I don't know. And so anyway, um, Brother Dewey said that when his heart stopped, his spirit left his body. He saw himself or saw, he didn't see himself. He saw his body laying there on the operating table and the doctors and the nurses and everybody attending to him. He saw all the commotion going on. He was kind of at the, where the seating would be of the room. And then he said, the next thing he knew, he was in a a beautiful green valley. And he said, I'm walking through this green valley. And he said, I saw in the distance a city, a shining city. And he said, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He said, I started toward the city. And he said, as soon as I got started toward where I wanted to go, I started running, trying to get there as fast as I could. And he said, all of a sudden, I heard a voice crying out from somewhere saying, Mr. DeWeese, Mr. DeWeese, come back. He said the next thing he knew, he woke up in the operating room or in the recovery room. Well, in the recovery room, as soon as he opened his eyes and was coherent, the doctor was there and the doctor said, Mr. DeWeese, we thought we'd lost you. And the first thing Mr. DeWeese said is, what in the world did you call me back for? And then he told him what had happened, and uh, related the story. And he was—he said it took him a while to get over the fact that the guy had called him back. Now you remember in uh, Luke chapter sixteen, where Jesus told us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You remember part of the story was the Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Are you aware that since the resurrection of Jesus, there's never been a mention of being carried into the presence of God by anyone or anything? Paul said instead to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It seems that the angels had to carry the Old Testament saints into the bosom, uh, into Abraham's bosom, the upper compartment of hell, which was paradise. It was a place of comfort. But not so since the resurrection. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. There's an instant, an instantaneous, I don't know what word to use, translation. There's an instantaneous change of position, change of place. Now Paul referred to this when he talked about the veil of the flesh. And here's the point that I'm really trying to get to that which separates the spiritual realm from the physical realm is as thin as the veil of, that, that is your flesh. How thick is your skin? I don't mean thick skin like you can handle criticism and still get by. I mean, how many layers of skin is there? That's what Paul talked about, the veil of the flesh. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's talking about himself. Notice how he says this, beginning in verse 2. He said, I knew a man in Christ. Notice the way he talks about himself. I knew a man in Christ more than 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I knew such a man, the man in Christ, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Notice that Paul talks about himself in this this experience as the man in Christ. He goes on to say, of such a one I'll glory, but not of myself. Let me read this and make sure I get it accurate. Verse 5. Of such a one will I glory. The man in Christ I'll glory in. Yet of myself. Now what's the myself he's talking about? He can't be talking about his spirit. Because his spirit is the man in Christ. The myself he's talking about is the, the outward man. The fleshly experience that we that we have here on the earth. Yet of myself I will not glory but accept in my infirmities. In other words, he's saying the only thing that I'll brag about. In my flesh is how weak I am. But I will brag about the man in Christ. Ezekiel chapter 36 tells us a little bit about the new birth. God said, I'll sprinkle clean water upon you and cleanse you from all your filthiness and your idols. He said, and I'll take out the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A new spirit will I put within you and I'll put my spirit in you. Now back to what Paul said about himself, this man in Christ, if any man be in, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation, a new, new species of being. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. This is the one that he said, this is the man that he said was caught up into the third heaven. And he said, I heard things in heaven that I'm not able to describe. Now this word caught up is interesting. It's the same word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 where it says we'll be caught up to meet Jesus in the air that which is known of as the rapture it literally means to seize by force or strength now there's a number of times that this word is used in the New Testament other places it's used in the New Testament one place is where Jesus said until since John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force that word force is the same word caught up here it's talking about to seize or take hold of something by strength. Another place that it's used is John chapter 10 verses 28 and 29 where Jesus said, And I will give them, talking about the, the believers, I will give them eternal life and no man shall be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now the word caught up is the same word translated pluck. Pluck them from my hand. In other words, he's saying, this eternal life, this life of God, will be the strongest force that there is. That's the thing I'm trying to get to, folks. And there's a, there's some things that I that I don't yet see the way that I need to see, but that I, I feel the Lord leading me toward, and that is there's a an undeniable force. From the spirit realm upon the spirit of man. There's an undeniable. And perhaps even indescribable force. From the spirit of the spirit realm on your spirit. And the same thing is true in whether a man saved or unsaved. We could call that force the heart hunger. That's inside of every man. If physical things were able to satisfy man's desires, then there would never be anybody that has any degree of wealth or fame or celebrity or anything like that that would ever commit suicide. But you know as well as I do that so many people chase a variety of things throughout their lives and obtain it and then find that it doesn't satisfy what's inside them. It's because there's a pull on the spirit of man. There's a pull on the spirit of man. I remember really Hagen talking about the experience that he had. When he died and went to hell. He said on the 22nd day of April. Of 1933. He said at about 730 in the evening. He said his, his heart stopped. And he went down. Now he had gone to church. He'd been baptized in water. He'd done a lot of things that people think that make you okay with God. But he went down and he was pulled to the get, to the entrance of hell, the gates of hell. He said he got there. This happened three times, three different times within a 10-minute period. He said when he got there, he said, I was aware of a creature that was waiting for me, took me by the arm to usher me into the hell he said then there was a voice that was not in the English language he said I don't know who it was or what he said but he said when the voice sh- uh, spoke he said everything about that place shook and he said then all of a sudden I felt myself being pulled back to the earth well the third time he's being pulled back to the earth same thing exact same thing happened all three times when this voice shook the place of hell the third time this creature turned loose of his arm and he started ascending back to the earth. He started crying out to God. He said, God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. Trying to make his case for going the wrong. He, he's trying to tell God, I shouldn't be going this direction. He said, when he got back into the room, when his spirit entered back into the room, he slipped into his body like you had put your foot into a shoe. He said, his voice picked up In mid sentence, what he was saying, he was crying out to God, asking God to forgive him. He wound up being saved at that moment. What is it about the spirit of man that when he departs from his body, whether he goes to heaven or whether he goes to hell, what's the force that draws him there? There's got to be a spiritual force. Now, I'm not so much worried about people on the hell side of things for our subjects tonight I don't want anybody to go to hell don't misunderstand me but what about being caught up into heaven you remember in, uh, in Revelation where John is in the spirit on the Lord's day and he hears a voice from heaven saying come up here instantly he's in the throne room of God instantly what gets him there What force? It has to be some force. He didn't go on his own. There has to be some force. I wonder if it's the same force that caught Paul up. I wonder if it's the same force that Paul speaks about that causes us to be present with the Lord as soon as we're absent from the body. Now here's the real important thing. Some of the other stuff might give us goosebumps. But the real important thing is this. Turn with me over to John chapter 17. Let's start reading in verse 13. I'm not sure how much of this I want to read, but we'll take a few few verses. Verse 13, And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Remember what Peter said whereby are given unto his exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. These are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth as thou hast sent me into the world even so I also have sent them into the world and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified through the truth or through the word neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou father art in me And notice what he's saying notice that he's saying that we're sanctified by the word Peter said it this way we're born again not of corruptible seed but of the, the incorruptible seed of the word 1 Peter one twenty three. now Jesus is talking about that new birth or that new eternal life everlasting life experience he's saying sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth that's what brings us into the new birth that's what makes us a new creature or a new creation or a new species of being in Christ Jesus. And notice what he said is the result of that. I in them, just like you're in me. He's in us just like God was in him. They're not similar to the way God was in him, but just like God was in him. Now remember that... Um, well, we talked about before with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus came and said, We know you've got to be from God because of all the stuff that you're doing. All the miracles that you're doing and the signs and the wonders. You've got to be from God. Jesus talks to him about being born again. Why is this? Well, we didn't take time to, to point it out. But over in Second Peter chapter 1, it tells us that we're called to glory and virtue. You're called to glory and virtue. The reason that God wants you to be a partaker of the divine nature, the reason he wants you to experience everything that Jesus purchased. And again, he's not talking just about being born again. He's talking about living the life that Jesus lived here on the earth. Jesus said we should. He said the works that I do shall you do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my father. Well, what was the point of going to the father? But right here he said he's going to the Father so that we can be born again. So that we can be one in them. One in him just like he was one in the Father. And the connection of being one with the Father is the glory that was given unto us. The glory. Jesus said the glory that you gave me is the same glory I'm giving you. Now later on he's talking about the glory that he had with the Father before the worlds were created. That's not the glory he's talking about here. He asked the father to return the glory that he laid aside to come to the earth. So the glory he's talking about here is the glory that he experienced as the son of man. A man filled with the life of God and anointed by the Holy Ghost to do the work of showing forth the father. What he's saying is very simply this. And again, this goes back to Ezekiel chapter 36 a new spirit will I put within you and my spirit I'll put within your new spirit. I don't think we've plumbed the depths. I don't even think we've scratched the surface of what it means to be one with the Father. I don't believe we've scratched the surface of what it means to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. See, we think about being led by the Holy Ghost and we won't... God to give us direction, mostly, most often, so that we'll have a more pleasant physical experience. So that we'll overcome the physical circumstances or difficulties of life. So that our natural life, our physical life, our earthly life, will be more pleasant. But there's a different part of the Word of God that very few of us ever come to the place to realize. Let me explain it this way. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments? Well, he spent 40 days up there. And he came down with the instruction of the Word. But there was something else that he wasn't even aware that had taken place. That, As far as I'm concerned, is even more important than the instruction of The word gave through the Ten Commandments. You remember what that was? His face was shining. See, it was being in the presence of God that altered him. It wasn't the Ten Commandments that changed him. It was being in the presence of the Word made flesh, or that which He that would be the Word made flesh. You remember in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel talks about the, uh, the Hebrew children, the three Hebrew children in Daniel that were taken captive. You remember how they put the word first? You Remember how they told the headmaster of the school that they didn't want to defile themselves with, uh, with food that was contrary to the law of Moses? And so they requested to eat only that which would satisfy the law of Moses. And the headmaster said, well, you're going to get me in trouble. Because you're not going to look as healthy and then the king's going to be mad at me and take my head off. So they cut a deal with him and said, well, let's try it for three weeks. Or for a period of time. I think it was three weeks. He said, if it doesn't bear out in those that period of time, that short period of time, then we'll go back to whatever you say. Well, at the end of the period of time, the agreed upon time, they looked healthier and fairer than anybody else that was eating all the other stuff. But it didn't stop there. It says that the headmaster let them continue to eat the food that was in line with the law of Moses. And then it goes on to say because they put the word first, they became ten times wiser than all the other kids. Even wiser than their own instructors. Now what is it about eating pulse and water that makes you wiser than everybody else? That's not it at all. It's that when we put the word of God first in our lives. It has a further reaching impact than we even expect it to have. I can prove it to you from the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20. My son attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of my, thine heart verse twenty two for they are life unto those that find them and helps to all their flesh and notice he doesn't say that only healing scriptures are health to your flesh. He says the word of God in general is life to those that find it. Well you're not going to find it if you don't put it first place. See, we could give you the four steps to to uh, developing in spirit. Meditate on the word, do the word, give the word first place and instantly obey the voice of your spirit. But so many times people hear those steps and they just want to make them, check them off their list. Okay, meditate on the word, check, got that. Be a doer of the word, okay, check, got that. Give the word first place, okay, check, got that. Great, now I'm at the place where I can instantly obey the voice of my spirit. But again, so often we just want God to give us instruction to make our physical lives more comfortable. God's not just looking for you to have a more comfortable physical experience. God's looking for the life and the glory and the virtue of God to be made manifest in every part of your life. Is this making any sense? For Moses, this was not true for the rest of Israel. But for Moses, the most important thing was what he experienced in the presence of God. Not carrying down the tablets of stone. In fact, when he came down the mountain, you remember they would made a golden calf, talked Aaron into making a golden calf. So he broke those tablets of stone. Well, that wasn't really any big deal because God just made another set. But it was the presence of God that frightened the people. It was the impact of being in the presence of God for those 40 days that caused the people to ask Moses to cover his face. It's only the veil of the flesh that separates you from the spirit realm. But because you're one with Jesus, one with the Holy Ghost, one with the Father, your spirit is in constant contact with the heavenly father. Now Jesus said, I'll pray the father and he'll give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. In the amplified, that word comforter is translated a couple of different things or described to be a couple of different things. Comforter, advocate, helper, intercessor, strengthener, standby, maybe some others that I've left out. But what that means is, you're in constant contact with the strengthener. Your spirit is in constant contact with the strengthener. Your spirit is in constant contact with the helper. Your spirit is in constant contact with the healer. Your spirit is in constant contact with the provider. You don't have to pray and ask God to hear you He's with you. He's in you. He is one with you. Well, if we ever come to the place where we realize that, then maybe we'll start doing the works of Jesus. It's amazing to me how Jesus spent so little time praying when he was among the people. Now, there were times where he'd separate himself and pray all night long. He'd prepare himself before the fact. But you never have to see him stop and pray In order to answer somebody's need that came to him, whether it was for healing or whatever the case was, he never has to stop and say, I tell you what, come back tomorrow and I'll help you then. Why is that? Well, we look at Jesus and we think, yeah, well, we understand how that could work for him because he's in a different class, he's in a class by himself, he was the Son of God. And so he had all the power of God available to him because he was the son of God. But Jesus said that was the glory that he laid aside when he came to the earth. John five twenty six says, For as the father hath life in himself, so is he given to the son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment upon sin and death on the earth because he's the son of man. Not because he's the son of God, but because he's the son of man. Well, that's the glory that he gave you and me. That's the ability that he gave us by making us one with him and one with the Father. And Jesus made an outstanding statement. He said that the world may know that you've loved me and have loved them just as much as you love me. Do you realize that God didn't want to help people through Jesus more than he wants to help people through you? But we're going to have to equip ourselves with the word. Not to equip ourselves with the word so that we've got God's help for physical things. But equip ourselves with the word so that we're strengthened. Enabled. Let me say it this way. God wants our face to shine like he did Moses. Moses. And that only comes by spending time in the presence of God through the Word. Well, I wish I could get out of my heart. What's I wish I could get out? What's in my heart about this? Because there are things that I see that I, I don't know how to say. Then we go back to Proverbs chapter 4. My son attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them, my words, not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. He's talking about putting the word first place in your life. In every aspect of your life. For they are life. Unto those that find them. I wonder if that would be. Of course, this is the Old Testament, so it's written in Hebrew rather than in Greek. But I wonder if that life is talking about the life of God. I wonder if that life is the same life that Jesus spoke of that He came to bring us. For their life unto those that find them and their health. My words are health to all their flesh. You know, I look back at uh, some things in my life. I was saved at a young age. But didn't learn anything about God from the Word. I learned Sunday school lessons and things like that. But uh, I learned some of the Old Testament stories from the Bible. But I didn't know that God was good in everything. I didn't know that God only wanted good things for us. Well, I never really accepted all the stuff that they told me in church about how God sometimes made you sick and brought tragedy and stuff like that. But I didn't have any scripture to back it up. I didn't have any reason to know why that didn't sit right with me. But looking back at at it, I can see that even then I was being led by the Holy Ghost. At least he was trying to lead me, but I didn't have a foundation to be led really. And so I spent a lot of time going in and out with God and the things of God. I always wanted to serve him. I always wanted to do the right thing, but I didn't. And and I knew all the things I was supposed to do. The church was real good at telling me what we were supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. But they never showed me any power to be able to do it. And so I lived the same life that everybody else lived, I guess. Frustrated because I couldn't live up to what I knew I should be doing. And so as a result, I, I came to a place where even in my early 20s, I had absolutely no direction whatsoever. I didn't know what to do. There were three or four different things that I was thinking about doing, three or four different things I was considering, weighing out the options. But I was completely rudderless without any direction whatsoever. But I came upon a place where I saw that people had something different than what I had. I saw that they had a relationship with God and a joy because of that relationship with God that was different than what I had. And everybody at this place, and it was Rama in Tulsa. Everybody at this Bible school seemed to have the same thing. And so I just simply deduced that since everybody seems to have the same thing here and they all have something different from me, this must be where you get it. Now folks, think about how stupid that is. I was thinking that only a place, a certain place, had what I needed. I didn't realize that what they had was the Word in them. They were learning the Word. So I went to the place where they were, where they got what they had, whatever it was. And I was introduced to the Word. And man, did that ever change my life. It changed me from somebody without direction to having clear-cut direction. It changed me from somebody that, that didn't know in many cases what God would do and what God wanted to being sure, absolutely certain of what was God and what wasn't. And don't get me wrong, I didn't learn these things overnight. It took me a long time to learn certain things in certain aspects. It took me a long time to grow into certain things. I'm still growing into a lot of things. But for the last 40 years, I've gone from somebody that had no direction and absolutely no spiritual strength to a different person altogether. My words are life unto those that find them, the Bible says, and health to all their flesh. I've found that to be true just by putting the Word of God first, just by making it the number one priority in my life. I find that it brings life and health to all of our flesh. Jesus prayed that we'd be one with Him just as He was one with the Father, just exactly the same as He was one with the Father. Say this after me. My spirit is joined with God. My spirit is in constant contact with the Holy Ghost. My spirit is in constant contact with the guide, the one who guides me into all reality. My spirit is in constant contact with the healer. My spirit is in constant contact with the power of God. Folks, if that ever sunk in on us, if that ever really sunk in, the world wouldn't be able to hold us. You know as well as I do that most of the church is praying for those things to be a reality. Lord, let your healing power be shown. Lord, give us direction. You're in constant contact. The real you is in constant contact with all of those things already. I believe that's why Peter said God has already given us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. Because we're in constant contact with the greater one. Your spirit, the real you, the man on the inside, is in constant contact with the greater one. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see the truth of these things. Open our eyes to see that we have everything that we'll ever need already. Open our eyes to see that the greater one really does live in us. That the power of God for whatever we run across in life, is already present within us. Open our eyes to what we have, Lord. What we have now. Because we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Open our eyes, Father, to the strength that's in us. Because you dwell within us. Open our eyes to the help that's available to us. Because you live within our hearts, Father, we love you. We thank you for your patience. we thank you for your putting up with us while we grow into these things. But Lord, our desire is that we would be so full of your word and so full of your presence that we would shine in this world just like Moses shined among Israel cause us to see Lord and understand how impotent the veil of this flesh is that we might focus on spiritual things. The reality of who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say it with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. Well, thank you for putting up with me while I Tried to talk out some things in my heart. Hope there was something in there that would could be a blessing. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. And you're dismissed.